Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lenten Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The message for today, this third Sunday in Lent, rises up out of that appointed gospel reading read just now from Luke chapter 22. So we are in this weekend Lenten series entitled At the Crossroads, and as mentioned at the outset of the service and as evident on the cover of the worship bulletin today, the theme for this weekend, this third Sunday in Lent, is compassion. We hear of compassion in that Old Testament narrative when God graciously, compassionately provides water to his people in the wilderness, satisfying their need. How Jesus in the gospel lesson, in great compassion, heals the right ear of that servant of the high priest. And so that is our focus for preaching on that word, compassion. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. The word compassion is not actually heard in the gospel lesson. It is not mentioned explicitly, but it is present and it is visible as Jesus demonstrates what compassion looks like by healing the ear of the servant of that high priest. In our minds, when we think of compassion, it is an emotion that springs from the heart, right? We talk about something being heartfelt. We even talk about other things springing from the heart. But it was different in the ancient world where the heart was not viewed as the seat of emotions, but rather it was understood as coming from something lower here in the gut a visceral reaction, and we talk about that as well. We feel something in the pit of our stomach. We have a gut reaction. I think the ancients were onto something here, and maybe they knew something we do not. When the scriptures talk about the Lord having compassion, it is this deep, visceral sense of tenderness that prompts response to need. And it is this deep sense of tenderness that moves Jesus to act there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Following the Last Supper in that upper room when Jesus instituted what we call the Lord's Supper, and following Jesus' agony in the, of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, the crowd came for Jesus under cover of darkness, led by one of Jesus' own, Judas. And this is where that portion of the passion narrative of our Lord Jesus Christ picks up today in that gospel lesson. There had been this mounting tension growing ever stronger since Jesus had entered into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. Jesus' cleansing of the temple throwing out the money changers, overturning their tables, and his teaching in that holy week had drawn the attention 
as well as the ire of the religious leaders. And that tension was now coming to a head there in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is betrayed by Judas with a kiss, a mark of respect and reverence and intimacy. In our own lives, when tension is high, when nerves are frayed, we're prone to think only of ourselves, right? That's usually how it works. We tend to lash out at others. We tend to say things and do things that are focused on meeting my needs, on self-preservation. We're not focused on the needs of others at such times. And yet, this is exactly what Jesus is all about. In the commotion and confusion that surrounds Jesus' arrest there in the Garden of Gethsemane, another of Jesus' own disciples draws his sword and he cuts off the right ear of the high priest's servant. And thinking about this, I thought, man, that guy must have had incredibly good aim. How could you only cut off the right ear and not cut off the arm or lop off the guy's head. I don't know, that's a little gory, I guess, but Luke doesn't tell us which disciple did this, but John's gospel does. And John records that it was Simon Peter. John also tells us the name of the servant of the high priest and that name was Malchus. Jesus does not meet violence with violence. And he says to Peter, no more of this. When tension is high and the heat is on, Jesus shows compassion. He focuses not on himself, but on the needs of others. He brings healing in the midst of mob violence, hatred, and injustice. Jesus' compassion doesn't end there in the Garden of Gethsemane. It continues on into the halls of judgment as Jesus stands first before Caiaphas, the high priest, and then before the whole ruling council, the Sanhedrin, and then before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, all of whom willingly or unwillingly condemn Jesus to death. No angry, condemning words come out of Jesus' mouth then, or even as he is crucified. Instead, he prays for those who are literally killing him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He assures the penitent thief on the cross next to him that there is a place for him in paradise. Such compassion ought to melt our thankless hearts of stone. And if we feel 
nothing, then we really ought to pinch ourselves to see if we're still alive. How can we not be moved to tears of repentance when we hear this story, knowing that it was for sinners like us, you and me, who are often not compassionate that Jesus suffered and died. The Lord God, in his compassion toward us, calls us to be more than just receivers of his divine mercy and compassion made known in his beloved son, Jesus, the son of God. Having received this compassion and mercy, the Lord God now calls us to be agents and instruments of his compassion in our lives today. We are to share with others what we ourselves have received. And if we do not, we run the risk of becoming the human version of the Dead Sea, taking everything in but giving nothing away. We have the appearance of being alive, but in truth, we may be more dead than alive. And yet, we have a God who brings life from what is dead. The beautiful verse from the epistle lesson for today, Paul writes, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to share with you a modern-day story of compassion from very recent, just a couple of weeks ago. It comes not from me, but from Jennifer Hills, our Director of Youth and Christian Education here at St. John's, and she has graciously agreed to my sharing this story with you. After the Ash Wednesday noon service, I had the privilege to have lunch with a friend as I was leaving the restaurant. A young man approached me. As I was getting into my mommy van, this young man timidly approached me, too cautious to come too close, nervous to ask, and with fear in his voice, he said, excuse me, miss, can you buy me lunch at Chipotle? And before I could even think about it, I answered, sorry, I don't have any cash. That's my go-to out. That's how I avoid getting involved. That's what I say so I don't have to step outside my comfort zone and confront real need. I quickly made judgments based on his appearance. Clean, well-dressed, maybe skipped school. He didn't look hungry. I excused myself from accepting this opportunity. I allowed myself to make excuses on why this young man should not receive mercy. I climbed in the van, sat in the seat, adjusted my mirror, and looking straight back at me, 
In that mirror was a cross of ashes on my forehead. There was Jesus looking right back at me. The repentance expressed visibly on my forehead, the mercy I had just received from the sacrament still in my belly, confronted, accused, guilty. I sat there staring at my reflection, the cross of Jesus so profoundly marked on my forehead, staring back at me. Every Bible verse I've quoted, tweeted, shared about helping the least of these, every refugee status I liked, every scripture I meditated on, every word from God poured into me was unleashed and hit me like a tidal wave. And there I sat in my rebellion. And then God came down. I was hungry and you did not feed me. I turned from my mirror to see the young man a few yards away sitting on a bench, quietly crying. I rolled down my window, asked him to meet me in Chipotle, and he must have run there because he beat me as I drove back up and parked. We stood in line. We didn't talk much. He thanked me repeatedly. And after the meal was paid for, I asked for his name, if I could pray for him. Samuel, and yes, I could. He thanked me again, walked away. Don't think I'm good because I'm not. If Jesus hadn't shown up on that cross, I would have happily driven away. Never thought again about Samuel. If Christ's body and blood had not been supplied to my malnourished, empty soul, it would have turned its back and carried on. But Jesus showed up. He always shows up. God comes down and he works these unseen miracles every day in his church and the lives of his people. Every day he takes this worthless lump of clay and uses it to his glory. Sometimes I'm blessed to see the miracle. Oftentimes I overlook it. How gracious and merciful is our Lord to give me a second, a third, a millionth chance to join him on his mission. What second chances is Jesus offering you how do you excuse yourself from joining Jesus on his mission? Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Lord, have mercy on our hearts of stone. Forgive us when we choose convenience over compassion excuses over engagement, me over mercy. Turn us toward you so that we may be your people of mercy, compassion, grace, and justice in this world. Empower us daily to seek your kingdom, to join you on your mission of restoration. Amen.